Well, good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? I trust you're all uh, ready to receive the message that we're going to get today. I praise God for today, and uh, hopefully that uh, the service will go without a without a hitch. Um, in the way of announcements, <laughs> uh, we are glad to have Tiffany with us today, filling in for Trill. Uh, Robert's sister-in-law passed away yesterday, so uh, they are with family. Um, so our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Uh, in the way of announcements, um, first thing, next Sunday is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And you all may notice the pastor is away this weekend. Um, he is with taking some much-needed time with his family. Um, we're going to be... Help me out. <laughs> okay, we are going to do a lunch after church for uh, Pastor Allen and Miss Marilyn. Uh, the church is going to provide the meat. Um, if y'all will bring sides to go with and desserts. Um, okay, no. Okay, so plan to, to stay with us after church uh, next Sunday. Um, in honor of Pastor Allen and all he has done for us and all he's going to continue to do to serve the Lord. Um, tonight, the youth... Okay. Uh, the youth are going to do four, bring $4. Um, we're doing Subway platters after church in lieu of going out to eat somewhere. Um, we'll do sub platters and desserts. Um, and Miss Judy has a couple of announcements. Uh, good morning. I just have a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you all for uh, giving to Janie Chapman. We didn't quite make our goal, but we came close, and uh, every bit of that will be used to help our missionaries here in South Carolina. And thank you so much. Um, the next thing. We, uh, in your bulletin, it has that we were to turn in our rice bowls next Sunday, but I realized yesterday I may not be here because uh, my fourth grandson is going to, if not before, he's definitely going to be born next weekend because he's due next Sunday and her doctors don't want her to go past the due date. So if nothing happens before then, she will go in on Saturday and they'll start the process. So depending on what happens I may not be here and I got to thinking well if I'm not here I don't want those rice bowls sitting around you know to where I can't get them so let's let's put that off one more week instead of the 13th it will be the 20th two Sundays from now if you'll remember to bring your rice bowls and uh, I'll have the baskets out in the vestibule and I'll have them empty and you can either put them there, or if you want to, you can just put your bowl here on the altar, and I'll collect them after church. Uh, the other announcement is another um, delay. We normally would have Lawton Group meeting this Tuesday night, second Tuesday, but one of our members is not going to be able to come, and it's going to be inconvenient for another. So we're going to put that meeting off another week until Tuesday. Let's see, I believe that will be the 15th, Tuesday the 15th at 7 p.m. down in the Fellowship Building. And if you're not a member of that group, I would urge you to come and join us. Uh, we try to keep the meeting brief, just to an hour, 
And in that hour, we, we have some discussion. We have um, some sort of Bible study or our prayer study. Um, and then we do our prayer calendar for our missionaries. And it just, it's not real exciting. Uh, we don't eat anymore. We, we gave that up. But uh, it's, it's, really, it's really a blessing to those of us that come. And I'll just be honest with you. Uh, our WMU membership is dropping off. And uh, it really concerns me. And I'm, I'm just praying that, that maybe some of you who have not uh, been able to come or considered coming, that maybe you will check us out and see what you think. Because our missionaries need all the prayers they can get. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to remind everybody about the t-shirt order. Um, the order form is still down here at front. Um, we're going to do this till next Sunday, so if you can have your order and your money in by then, that would be great. Um, you can just make the check out to Liberty First Baptist. Um, also this morning, you found in your bulletin um, the Operation Christmas Child Flyer. The drop-off dates this year are November the 18th through the 25th, so I wanted to get this in here early so that you guys can start getting stuff. Um, and... <coughs> for a trunk or treat is this year the 31st so if you could start bringing in candy donations that'd be great thank you all right any others i think we have covered everything um so now let's uh stand up and we're gonna sing glad so you know what that means i need some help kids Y'all want to come help me? Come on, Jameson. Come on, Jack. Jack. Where's Jack? He's behind. <laughs> come on, kids. Come, come on. Hey, Jay, come on. Daddy, Don't leave Daddy. Jack up here by himself. Come, come on. on. There you go. There you go. Come on, girls. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yeah. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he 
As we make our way back to our seats, let's go in prayer for our tithes and offerings. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for everyone that's here, dear Lord, and be with ones there or not. Lord, you know their reasons. Dear Father, we ask you to be with our pastors. He brings us the sermon today that you laid on his heart. 
Father, we ask you to bless our tithes and offerings we're about to receive. Let it be used to glorify your name. For it's thy precious Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. start singing again I wanted to mention that we have some birthdays in the house this week um, Jack Thompson Yay, Jack. Uh, Angela Beelan Mark Lewis 
Katie Ray, who's not here, and Chris Evans. So we'd like to sing happy birthday to y'all. <laughs> you don't have to sing. We'll sing off the pillow. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> we'll sing off the pillow. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Have a blessed week. All right, well, let's all stand up and sing hymn 10, How Great Thou Art. And let's sing the first, second, and the third stanzas.
continue singing hymn 187, In the Garden. And let's sing the first, second, and third stanzas.
Are you ready, Miss Amber? I need all the kids to come forward. Miss Amber has got a wonderful story for us, a good lesson. Come on, kids. Want to start us off, Jack? Has everybody had a good week? Yeah? Have fun at volleyball practice with us? Have fun at volleyball practice with us? That was fun, wasn't it? Special Friday. So, what's everybody been doing this week? You have homework, sports, birthday party, fun. Sounds very fun. Now, whose birthday party was this? I wasn't invited, was I? <laughs> I didn't get my invitation. I guess it got lost in the mail. Yeah. Any guesses on what's in the bag? An hourglass? You'll have any guesses down there? You can come sit up here with us. You wanna stay right there? Like it's an hourglass. It is an hourglass, you guys were correct. Okay, well I'm gonna turn this over. And I'm, you guys are gonna name off foods that you like, okay? Ready? Oh, well, wait. I already turned it over and let it go back down. Okay, ready, set, go. Pizza. Ice cream, macaroni, chicken, brownies, cookies, cake, cookie cake. That sounds good. Y'all making me hungry. Chicken, pickles, <laughs> apples, fruit, steak. Okay, we're done. Okay. Well, we have one healthy food. <laughs> one, only one. Okay, well, in that minute of time, one minute, there were 17 people that had died because of world hunger. 13 of those people were children, like boys and little girls like y'all. You know what you can do to help end that? You can help with that. You can take one of these home. You can go ahead and get one if you want. You can take them home, and you can fill them up, and then you can bring them back, not next week, but the next week. I'm going to read Matthew 25, 42 through 45. 
God says, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Also, they also will answer, Lord, when, when did you see me see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or needing clothes, or sick in prison, and I did not help you? I don't remember that. And he said, I will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did not do for one other, or at least of these, you did not do for me. So as I just now said, you can take one of those home, you can fill it up, and you can bring it back. And then that can help. If you already have one, it's fine. You already got some, if you already have one at home, then it's okay. Anybody want to pray us out? No volunteers? Okay, I'll pray us out. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for everything you do. And just help us to remember you and and just help the sick and the homeless. And we thank you for everything you do and keep us safe throughout the rest of the day. And in God's name, amen. morning. As we all know, Dr. Allen's not able to be here with us this, uh, this morning, but uh, he will return uh, this evening and bring us our evening service. But in his place uh, today, it will be uh, Mr. Reverend David Shirley. Uh, he's going to bring us a sermon. Uh, it's a privilege to have him. He was here uh, uh, last year, so he's uh, very well known in our community. Uh, one time, uh, pastored Rice's Creek uh, some time ago, and um, he is now uh, currently the director of missions at the Beaver Dam Association in, in Oconee County, and said he preaches more now than ever. <laughs> so, so we're very lucky and privileged to have him and be able to come today. So, as of now, I turn the uh, service over to Reverend Shirley. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. Are you glad to be in God's house? Well, I did this for twenty-something years as a pastor. If you're glad to be here, you got to smile real big. And turn to somebody and tell them you love them. Would you do that? Go ahead and take care of that. Love you. Amen. Amen. Now, see, everybody's smiling. I preach so much longer when people are smiling. Amen. Amen. Don't start frowning. So, uh, y'all like Dr. Allen? You like him, really? Good. I recommended him to you as interim. Okay. Uh, I love Ray Allen. Ray is a dear friend. He was a pastor to uh, uh, my wife's mom and dad. Uh, at their church. He was their pastor, and uh, we love him dearly. And when he retired and moved over this way, uh, it, it, I'm glad that things worked out there. Well, it's so good to see you. It's a joy to be here. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate the invitation uh, to come and, and share with you today. I, uh, I don't know, is that me? What am I doing? Okay, all right. It's a, it's a joy to be. Well, I did, as Matt said, I did pastor Rice's Creek Baptist Church. Uh, 
I was thinking about that, guys, and the Rice's Creek contingent in 1991. Kathy, help me out. 1991. Wow. Just two or three years ago. Uh, I hadn't changed any since I left. But uh, what a wonderful, wonderful time we, we had there. And there's so many dear friends here today that we love uh, so very much. Lifelong friends, wonderful relationships. And uh, concerning Rice's Creek, I do speak often. Uh, as director of missions, I get to help a lot of young pastors and encourage a lot of young pastors. And I'll have these guys that'll come to a church and they'll they'll say, "Well, you know, I I I think I'm gonna. It's ready. To, it's time to move on." And I'll say, "I'm gonna tell you what. I think back to my first church, and I wish I was still there." I said, that, "I've never. Our family has never been so loved as we were at Rice's Creek, and uh, and we we have great memories of of liberties. We were driving over today. My wife and I were talking about our years in Liberty when we served here." Um, I think when I th y'all gonna think, goodness gracious, he's got a warped mind. When I think of Liberty, I think of Liberty Bell milkshakes. I think of Yanks hamburgers. Uh, I remember we were talking about standing out in front of the drugstore up here, crossing the old middle school, uh, watching the Christmas parade. Uh, we uh, we talked about uh, uh, our daughter, our oldest daughter Dana, went to uh, Liberty Elementary, and I would drop her off here every morning. Kathy is a school teacher, so she would drive in Oconee County. So she would drive in the morning. She'd leave out early, and I would take Dana to school. And they had an open house one night, and the teacher, her kindergarten teacher, insulted me. I'll just be honest with you. Um, she told my wife, she said, uh, "You know, we can always tell when you're home and you do Dana's hair, and we can tell when her dad does it in the mornings." You know, I just combed that stuff up and put a rubber band or a bow around it and said, man, you look great. And I sent her off to school. Lord of mercy, I, I don't know. But uh, Liberty Recreation, I remember the old gym across over there and the ball field with the covered bleachers. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll say this, since Troy Brooks is here, uh, I can honestly say that in 53 years of living, and Liberty was the only place I ever got shot at when I was a pastor, um, <laughs> We went one night, the RAs were having a camp out somewhere up towards Dacusville, and Troy knew where it was, and uh, so we had something at church that night, and we got through, and Troy and I were going to drive up to meet him, and we were driving up there, and he knew where they were, and so we went down this long gravel road. Now, I'm telling you, it was narrow, and we went down that road, and we got to the end of it, and we saw a light, and Troy said, that's got to be them. We pulled right up there, and this fella, honest to the good Lord, stepped out on the deck with a shotgun or a rifle, and he pointed that thing, and he started shooting. I like to met my Jesus right here in Liberty, South Carolina. But, uh, so I've got some good, good memories of my time at, in, in Liberty, and, and we thank God for the opportunity uh, to be back with you today. Uh, and thank you for all of you dear friends who are here. Love you so much. It's good to see you. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Matthew's Gospel in the 16th chapter. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, as Matt shared with you, I am, uh, after pastoring for over 20 years, I'm director of missions now for the Beaverdam Baptist Association, which is all the churches over in Oconee County. And uh, as, as I went there as director of missions, I began to pray that God would burden my heart, that God would give me a message, that God would give me a word. And I'm not here today to play patty cake. I'm here today to share the word of God with you because I have a deep burden upon my heart for the church. Uh, I, I work on a daily basis with so many pastors and church staff members and, and church, church leaders and churches themselves. And, and folks, I just want to tell you, and I don't know any other way to say it other than this, is most of our churches today across our land are in trouble. Amen? 
Most of our churches today across our land are, are, are in trouble, and, and, and it's, it's difficult times. And so my heart is burdened for the church. When I went to seminary, my, my, my degree was, was in pastoral ministries, and I love the church. There is no greater institution upon the face of this earth than God's church. Amen? There's nothing more important because one day when we hear that shout, we hear the trumpet, we hear the voice of the archangel, and the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he's coming back to call the church home. And so it's the most important institution upon the face of this earth. And I, I love the church dearly. But these are critical days in the life of the church. Now, hear my heart today as I prayed about God, what God would have me share with you. I want you to understand, church, these are critically important days in the life of the church, whether it be Oconee County or Pickens County or whether it be across the state of South Carolina. And you and I today, especially those of us who are adults here, need to look upon ourselves, watch this, as caretakers of the church who were charged with the responsibility to hand the church off in better shape than we found it to future generations. Amen? You believe that? I believe with all of my heart that it's our responsibility as leaders in the church, as adults, as men and women of God, that we do everything we can to be the church God designed us to be so that when we pass this church off to future generations, it'll be in better shape than it was when we found it. Uh, that, that's critically important. So it is with a saddened heart and a burdened heart that I tell you today with all the love in my heart that a high percentage, watch this, of our churches across the state of South Carolina are in serious trouble. And the sad part of that thing is I, as, I, as I'm in a different church every Sunday, the saddest part of that is most of our churches that are in trouble are oblivious to that fact and don't even know they're in trouble. In Oconee County, now I can't make a statement like that without giving some facts, and I, I'll just share with you where I serve. In Oconee County, watch this. Very simply, there's about 74,000 people. And I'm sure Pickens County is about the same in terms of what I'm talking about. There's 74,000 people that live in Oconee County. On an average Sunday... On an average Sunday, 9.3% of our population is in church. 9.3% out of 74,000 people. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, oh, the Bible Belt? We live in the Bible Belt. How many of you ever heard that phrase, the Bible Belt? I, I, I tell you, when I grew up, I, I heard that often in the church where it's the Mill Hill Church there at Utica. And, and I heard that phrase, the Bible Belt. The, can I tell you something, folks? Listen to me. Hear my heart. We no longer live in the Bible Belt today. We, we no longer live in the Bible Belt. Pickens County went through the same thing we went through. Our school board, there was a representative of Americans for Separation of Church and State, filed a complaint against Oconee County School Board about the having prayer before the meetings. And they called a group of pastors, and we went to the meeting, and we shared our hearts and what we thought about praying before the meetings. And, of course, they made their own decision and decided to do away with it. But when we got through, that man representing the Americans for Separation of Church and State looked at us as pastors, and he said this. He said, you men representing the faith community have lost your voice in this county. Now, folks, hear my heart today. I'm being very transparent. I grew up running around the Mill Hill. My wife says sometimes I still act Mill Hill. You know, I dress up good. I didn't buy this bow tie. My daughter's got this bow tie for me, and it's in honor of Clemson, amen, or in memory of Syracuse, whichever way you want to look at it. But I want you to understand, I may dress up good, but I'm still very much Mill Hillian. And this man looks at us, and he says, you men representing the faith community have lost your voice in this county. Now, what I wanted to say and do to him, I couldn't do and be a pastor, amen? 
But you know what? As soon as that anger hit me, God spoke to me and he said this. He said, you know what? He's really right. We've lost our voice in our counties. Because what God, watch this, what God designs and intends for his church, the body of Christ, to be, we've messed it all up. Way oversimplified, let me just put it to you this way. What began in Acts chapter 1 with 120 believers on that hillside as Jesus ascended back to heaven. Those 120 believers went and got in an upper room and they began to pray and they had a 10-day prayer meeting. When they got through with that prayer meeting on the day of Pentecost, the power of God fell, 3,000 souls were saved. That early church was formed and it went from 120 to 3,120. And then in Acts chapter 4 it says 5,000 men... Believed, and in biblical scholars believe that implies families as well if the men believe. By the time you get to Acts chapter 6, that early church had grown, it's believed by biblical scholars, to over 20,000 people. That, that early church began as a dynamic explosion. The power of God fell, and, and they were accused of turning the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now watch this. Here's my point. Here's my heart. I love the church with all of my heart. But what began as a movement in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 over the past 2,000 years has become a monument. Y'all okay? Some of y'all saying, I didn't bargain for this. I like Pastor Ray. He's a, he's a, he's a whole lot more laid back. See, I, I, love, I told some folks this earlier. I love being a director of missions because I'm in a different church every week. I just say what I want to say and I get in my car and drive off. I love y'all. Oh, me. But y'all y'all heard of Paul Revere. I mean, everybody here knows Paul Revere. Folks, he, 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 had, he heralded an announcement. I want you to understand something. As I began to pray and ask God for direction as being a director of mission, I want you to understand God has burdened my heart and given me the call to call churches back to being the church God wants us to be. Amen? I want you to understand something, folks. God never intended. Hear my heart. I love the church. God never intended for us to go through 52 Sundays a year without ever experiencing the dynamic power of God in our services. Amen? Now, hear my heart. I, I want you to get this. While our churches today, across South Carolina, and by the way, the South Carolina Baptist Convention says that within the next 10 years, 500 of our churches will close. We've got 2,100 churches in South Carolina, Baptist churches. And they're estimating that within the next 10 years, five of them, almost one-fourth of them, will close their doors. Folks, I have preached in churches on Sunday morning in South Carolina that had 12 people in attendance. And the pastor told me, bless his heart, I love him, I love him, I love him. He told me, he said, Brother David, on Sunday night, the piano player and her husband come, me and my wife come, she plays, he leads me and my wife in songs, we sit on the front row, they get through, they all go sit down, and I preach to three people every Sunday night. I've been in churches that had 15, 20, 30 people, and the youngest person there was 75 years old. I want you to understand when I say our churches are in trouble, our churches are in trouble. And the answer to that is we've got to get back to being the church God has called us to be. You see, a high percentage of our churches in Oconee County and across South Carolina are characterized, watch this, by complacency, satisfaction with status quo, stagnations, and oftentimes division and strife. I, I dare say, and listen to me, I dare say we probably, I'll say in Oconee County, you can tell me if it's true over here, we hear more about churches having problems than we do about churches having revivals. Am I right? 
Y'all okay? I uh, heard about this one church, the pastor and the minister of music didn't even get along. They didn't like each other. They were always working against one another. And uh, everything one did, the other one tried to do the opposite. One Sunday, the pastor stood up and he preached on commitment. We've got to be committed to God. We've got to be surrendered to God. In this particular church, the, 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 the minister of music had a closing chorus to, to dismiss the crowd every Sunday. And uh, the pastor preached on commitment, and we've got to be surrendered to God. And the closing chorus that morning was, I shall not be moved. The next Sunday, the pastor preached on gossip. You've got to tame your tongue. You watch what you say. Ministry music chose for the closing chorus. I love to tell the story. Next week, the pastor preached on tithing. We've got to give God what's rightfully his. The closing chorus that week was Jesus paid it all. Next week, the pastor stood up and he said, I am so frustrated that I have seriously thought about resigning tonight. I've given it serious thought. The closing course that night was, oh, why not tonight? Next week, the pastor stood up and he said, the Lord Jesus Christ told me to resign today, so I submit my resignation. The closing course that day was, what a friend we have in Jesus. Folks, I, I want to tell you, that's not true. That's, that's just a joke, but that's, that's just... That sort of characterizes where a lot of our churches are. It, 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 we're, we're in trouble. Now, having said all of that by way of introduction, I want to ask you three tough questions. Three very tough questions. And I want you to honestly consider these questions. Whether you're here from another church, whether wherever you may attend church, I want you to consider these questions in light. They relate to, to your church. And here's the first one. Does whatever Baptist church you represent, Liberty First Baptist church at this moment in time have Satan's attention do we have Satan's attention the second question is Satan aware of what Liberty First Baptist Church or any other church is doing at this very moment in time in regards to taking ground back from him that he's taken from us are we a threat to Satan do we have his attention and are we involved in some way of taking ground back from him that he's taken from us when a man stands up who, who has no faith in God and says, you men representing the faith community have lost your voice in this county, it's time to take some of it back. Amen? Third question. Is Liberty First Baptist Church or any other church right now a threat to Satan? And along that same line, watch this. And here's a tough question that I ask our churches over in Oconee County. <clears throat> it's a tough question that, to ask yourself, but, but consider this. Honestly in your heart, if your church closed its doors today, would the community even know it? Would the community even know it? Tough, tough questions. And so having asked those questions, that, that, that leads us to two other questions that I want to share with you this morning. And, and the first question is simply this. What is the church? What, what is the church? And the second question is why does it exist? Why does it exist? I want you to write, if you take notes, write those questions down. What is the church and why does it exist? You see, I believe with all of my heart, after spending much time in prayer and seeking God over this situation, I believe the reason that we find ourselves in our present condition is because, watch this, either we've never learned what the church is all about or if we have, we've forgotten what it's all about. I don't think we can be in the shape we're in as churches today, and I'm talking churches across our convention, 
if we really understand what is the church and why does it exist. You know, there was a survey that was taken across our land and people were asked the question of what is church. And I want to give you some answers. Here's a sampling of the answers people gave. What is church? A building. A weekend event. <laughs> the longest hour of the week. When I think of church, church is arguing with my parents on Sunday morning. Others said church is arguing with our children on Sunday morning. Some said church is a social hub. Others said church is a distribution center. Wow. Folks, the, the tragedy is that what, what comes to mind when the average person in America today thinks of the church is such a far cry from what actually took place some 2,000 years ago when that church was birthed in Acts chapter 2. It's such a far cry from that. How that, that band of Jewish dissidents who, who were misfits, they were misfits. If they were members of our churches, we wouldn't even ask them to be leaders. Jesus called them, and, and from that group of misfits, they followed a Jewish carpenter. And this grassroots movement began to go, grow, and this carpenter began to preach messages about a kingdom which was so different from this world. And this group of believers were so passionate that they shared the good news, the gospel, everywhere they went. What began, as I said a moment ago, as a movement, sadly today, has evolved into a monument. Let me give you an example of that. Many of you older folks I know will remember the days when the Home Mission Board, it's now the North American Mission Board, the Home Mission Board was located in Atlanta, Georgia. Y'all remember that? Back in the 60s, watch this. Back in the 60s and early 70s, there were 166 Baptist churches inside of I-285. If you know anything about Atlanta, I-285 circles the city. And back in the 60s and 70s, there were 166 Baptist churches inside of I-285 in metro Atlanta. Today, there's 37. And the population is up over a million people. And the churches have left. The Home Mission Board even moved outside of Atlanta. It was referred to as the heart of the Bible Belt no longer. Three out of four people living inside of I-285. 285 are lost and have never met Jesus Christ. You come on down to South Carolina and the same thing. Statistics. And, and do you realize that in the last 10 years, in our convention, in the last 10 years, we, we have had a 10-year decline in attendance in our churches across our convention? It's like a set of stairs going down for 10 straight years. And you say, wow, that, that's terrible. I, I hate that. Let, let me tell you something about that. While that's terrible and you hate it, here, here's what's going on while we've been in decline. Let, let, me, let me share this with you. While we've been in decline, the Mormon church has increased. Jehovah Witnesses have increased. Uh, Hindus have increased. Muslim has increased. Hindus have grown. One of the fastest growing groups in our area is Wiccans. You say, what is that? That's witches. They're up in Asheville, North Carolina. There's a large contingent of them. Do you realize that all of those groups I just mentioned are growing faster than our churches? And so, folks, you, you, see, you understand when I say there's, there's a problem. Now, our challenge today is we, we have to understand we have the responsibility. Folks, we desperately need to understand, and we've got to be willing to do whatever is necessary to ensure that when we hand our churches off to this next generation... We're handing them off something solid. Having said that, notice with me in Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. This passage is a climax, really, to Jesus' teaching ministry. 
It really was his disciples' final examination. And it consisted of one question. It's one question that ultimately everybody in this room is going to have to answer. And that question is simply, who is Christ? Who is Christ? Notice around verse 13. You see, that answer, the way you answer that question of who is Christ really determines where you're going to spend eternity. Now, for two and a half years, Jesus had been teaching and reteaching his disciples. He had been affirming and reaffirming, demonstrating and redemonstrating, building and rebuilding the truth of who he was. He had spent this time investing in his disciples. And, and, and throughout his earthly, earthly ministry, there had always been debate of, who is this man? Who is this man? So in Matthew 16, the time finally came for Jesus to ask that question of his disciples. Notice verse 13, where Jesus asked his disciples the same question that many other people had been asking. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? Who do men say that the Son of Man... I, the Son of Man was his favorite designation of himself. It was used over 80 times in the New Testament alone. Jesus, by the way, folks, knew what people were saying. Now watch this. Jesus wasn't asking to know. He knew what people were saying. He wanted to know, what are you, who do you say I am? And so... They answered in verse 14, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. That's what Herod believed in Matthew 14. Some say you're Elijah. You see, everybody thought back then that Elijah was going to be the forerunner. He would return and, and introduce the Messiah. And so others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jeremiah was one of the most revered of the Old Testament prophets. And so they, they said, Well, Lord, some people say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Jeremiah, and, and some people say you're Elijah. And in verse 15, I love this, Jesus said, Okay, but whom say ye that I am? Who do you say I am? Look at that. That is, that is the most important question, folks, I think, found in the Bible. Who is Jesus to you? He's either your Lord and Savior or he's just another man. And how you answer that determines where you spend eternity. For verse 16, Simon Peter immediately answered and said, Thou art the Christ. If you write in your Bible or highlight, underline that. Thou art the Christ. The Christ there is, is the Hebrew word for Messiah. You are the Son of God. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Wow. And without hesitation, he answers that question. Without hesitation. And notice the response of Jesus in verse 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. By divine revelation, you've gotten it. You understand and I say unto thee, watch this, that you're Peter. And upon this rock, upon this foundation, watch this, I will build, underline this, my church. Those are two critically important words, my church. With Christ being the foundation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, meaning death, won't prevail against it. Wow, here's some Bible trivia for you, by the way. This is the very first time that the word church shows up in our English New Testament. Okay, but, but it's interesting that the word church shows up in the form of Jesus predicting or forecasting you and I. Jesus predicted us. I will build my church. If you're saved today, you're a part of his body, the church. Jesus predicted us. That, that's pretty neat. Now, now here's some T-bone steak for you. This isn't, this isn't a glass of milk. The Greek word translated church, which is used here in the New Testament, is ekklesia. Okay? Ekklesia. I know many of you have heard that word before. It means called out. The church in Greek, ekklesia, 
means called out. Those of us who are saved have been called out from sin unto salvation, from darkness unto light, ecclesia. Okay, but what you may not know is that term ecclesia was not used exclusively as a religious term. A lot of people say, well, the ecclesia is the church. No, the, the word ecclesia means a group of people, watch this, who have been called out. It was also used in biblical days in a, in a, to refer to a group of citizens who were meeting for a city council meeting or a, a town hall type meeting. They were the ecclesia, a group of people gathered together for a specific purpose. It was also a term, ecclesia, used to refer to the army, a group of soldiers who were called together for a specific purpose. Now, here's, here's the key to this thing. Understand this. And a group of ecclesia, the church, is simply a gathering of people, watch this, who were called together for a specific purpose. Hmm. A group of people called together for a specific purpose. A group of people gathered together by a common identity, Jesus Christ, for a specific purpose. Wow. What Jesus was saying in Matthew 16 and verse 18, he was really saying, I'm going to build my own assembly of people. I'll be the foundation of it, and I'm going to call them together for a specific purpose. I have a purpose for them. Wow. So when you say, to answer the first question, what is the church? The church is the ecclesia. It's a gathering together of people right here at Liberty First Baptist Church. You are the ecclesia who are called together for a specific purpose. You see, I think we, we can grasp in our Baptist churches, we can grasp the ecclesia. We're a group of people called together. We understand that. But we want to leave off oftentimes that second part of that. We're called together with a mission. We're called together with a mission. I want you to notice the verse we read a moment ago. Folks, hear my heart. I love you, I love you, I love you. And the desire of my heart is to make a difference in churches today. Across this land, I, I don't ever want a man stick his finger in my face again and say, you folks have lost your voice in this county. I'm going to tell you something. It's time for our churches to get on fire in revival. It's time for our churches to become the churches God designed them to be and begin turning this world right side up. Amen? It, it's time. We got back to being the church. We've got this thing of a gathered group of people. We got that. But what we have fallen short of is we have a specific purpose. We, we have a mission. Folks, we're far more than a building. By the way, the church isn't a building. The church uses buildings. Amen? This, this building isn't the church. You are the church and you use this building. The church isn't a weekend event. It's not the longest hour of the week. It's not a social hub. The church was God's idea, and it was established, founded, and designed to be a gathering of people who were united with a common identity for a specific purpose. Now, what's the purpose? What is the church? I just told you. What is the purpose? Folks, hear my heart right now. The purpose of the church, if you don't hear anything I say, hear this. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. Amen? That's the purpose of the church, is to make disciples. The church is to be a disciple-making factory. A true New Testament church produces 
disciples. And, and if you want a mission statement, here's one of the one of the things I do is church consulting. I help churches that are in, struggling, that are uh, needing to be refocused or retooled or even rebirthed. And one of the things we do is come up with a vision statement and a mission statement. And here's a great mission statement for you. Uh, a New Testament church, you, should, you could say this, Liberty First Baptist Church exists to make disciples who in turn make disciples. We want to we lead people to Christ who then in turn lead other people to Christ. That's the church. It's to be a disciple-making factory. My dad worked 45 years at the cotton mill. J.P. Stevens up in Utica on the mill hill there. And, and, and I've seen the pillowcases and the bed sheets and all the things that they made there in that factory. 45 years that he worked there. And, and, and I, I've seen what they produced. I've seen the product. The church, dear friends, is to be a disciple-making factory. And having said that, how are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? Wow. Now, a lot of young pastors I, I have this conversation with, a lot of young pastors say when you ask them the question, are you making disciples? They say, man, I baptized five. We had 12 to join. That's not what I'm asking. We, we, we have gotten to the point in our churches today where we think, well, we had five baptized or we had 12 people join. Nowhere in this book, nowhere in God's Word are we told as churches to make converts. We're told to make disciples. We're told to make disciples. You take those folks that have come to know the Lord, you take those folks that have been baptized, and you begin to invest in their life to mature them, to guide them, to disciple them, where they in turn become mature from babes to little children to young adults to young men to spiritual leaders. They in turn begin to lead other people to faith. You make disciples who in turn make disciples. That is the purpose of the church. In Matthew 28, turn a few pages to the right very quickly. Matthew 28. I want you to notice this. You say, well, I don't know where you're getting this. Matthew 28. Everybody turn there quickly and look at verse 19. You know the passage, Great Commission. Verse 18, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Here it is, verse 19. He tells us, if we're his followers, to go and teach all nations, which translated means make disciples. I'm asked all the time, church, as director of missions, doing consulting. I've, I've been in meetings with churches who had, I had four people sitting on this side of the table and four people sitting on this side of the table that just absolutely despised one another from a church. And they, they called me to come mediate. And, and you sit there and you listen. I was sitting in a meeting and th th these four were talking about how sorry these four were and everything they were doing wrong to hurt the church. And then these four over here were talking about how sorry they were. And it was just a mess. And then at the same time, they all turned and looked at me at the end of the table and said, what do you think? God is my witness. There again, I say what I want to say and drive off. Here's what I said. These were leaders in the church. These were leaders in the church. They said, what do you think, David? I said, I think if you folks are leaders in the church, the church is lost and the whole church is going to hell because Jesus said, if you, by your love for one another, people will know you're my disciples. I said, there's no love in this room. God isn't in this room. I said, what we probably need to do is start with the leadership and let me lead you to Christ. You say, whoo-wee, I got in my car and drove off, you yeah. know? But what we did was we left that meeting room where they were so mad at one another and those people went out to the altar and they began to kneel around the altar and pray and cry and pray and cry and they get up and they hug one another and they say, I'm sorry. Now you're beginning to get somewhere. The problem with the church, folks, is 
is, is we've just messed it all up. We've turned a movement into a monument. Now, I, I want you to hear me say this. In Matthew 16, a moment ago we read this passage. Jesus said, watch this. Everybody look at me. I will build what? My. Look at me. I will build my church. People ask me all the time, why? Why, why, why is the church in trouble? Can I tell you, with, with all the love in my heart, here's why we're in trouble. It's no longer his church. Way oversimplified. Uh, I, I, I relay it this way to a lot of people where they can understand it. We've turned it into Burger King Church. What's the, what's the motto of Burger King? Have it your way. Have it your way. With all the love in my heart, dear friends, I may not ever preach in this church again. Some of you say, I guarantee you, you ain't coming back here. That's all right, I've had my say. But hear my heart. We have turned it into our way. We want our preaching perfumed. We want our teaching perfumed. We want our music a certain way. We want the temperature a certain way, the lights a certain way, the cemetery mode a certain way. We want everything a certain way. Amen? Y'all okay? Y'all all right? And when it's not our way, what do we do? We do the Baptist thing. I'm telling you, Lord, how mercy. I've had people over years say, church hurt my feelings. Church hurts my feelings every Sunday when I go and see empty pews. Amen? Folks, I want to tell you something. If we would begin making disciples and maturing people from babes in Christ to children in Christ to young adults in Christ to young men in Christ to godly men in Christ, we'd quit having some of those poked-out lips and hurt feelings. Amen? The problem with the church is, is we've gotten away from making disciples. We've gotten away from making disciples. I know our time is gone and I'm almost through. Just hang on, folks. Just hang on. But let me ask you something. You older folks, you younger folks ain't going to have a clue what I'm fixing to talk about. You older folks are going to grasp it. Watch this. While a man points his finger and says, you folks representing the faith community have lost your voice. He's right. 9.3%. 8,301 persons out of 74,000 are in church in Oconee County right now. 66,000 people are somewhere other than a church in Oconee County. While the church has lost its voice, and we've forgotten about being the ecclesiae, the called-out group of people gathered together for a specific purpose of making disciples, while we have neglected doing that for years, our world has grown darker and darker and darker and darker. Amen? Am I right? Here's what I'm going to say that you young folks probably won't grasp. How many of y'all remember seeing Elsie the milk cow on your milk cartons many, many years ago? Young folks are like, who? Folks, as a nation, we've gone from seeing Elsie the milk cow on our milk cartons to seeing pictures of missing children. We've gone from evening chats on the porch and unlocked doors to burglar alarms and home security systems and bars on our windows. We've got, my mom and dad never took the keys out of the car when I was growing up. We've gone from leaving our keys in the car now. I, I, I like to run. I started running. I was telling folks, I used to be fat, folks. I mean, I was, boy, I was, I've lost 100 pounds in the last year and a half. Amen? Praise God. And I'm sitting up here on a diet, and I hear this young lady over here doing this children's thing, and she's talking about pizza and ice cream and all this food. I'm like, golly. I was running. What I was going to tell you is I was running. 
I, I, I love to run. I was running through the neighborhood, and some of these cars have gotten so sophisticated. I mean, they talk to you. You know what I'm talking about? I'm running through this neighborhood one day, and I run. This car was coming down the street, so I got over near one parked on the curb, and I bumped up against it, and that thing started saying, beep, beep, get away, get away, beep, beep, get away. I'm like, golly, things talking to you. My mom and dad used to leave their keys in the car, and now we've gone to security systems in our cars. We've gone from, watch this, Lawrence Welk and Dinah Shore to Janet Jackson and Britney Spears. We've gone from Red Skelton and Lucille Ball to some of the garbage that's on TV today. Y'all understand where I'm headed here? While we have gone down this road as a nation and as communities and as counties, the Bible Belt, we're no longer the Bible Belt. Those days are gone. It's time for the church to get back being the church God designed and intends for us to be. Folks, hear me something. Hear me say this, and I, I'm, I'm through. When it comes to a church... The effectiveness of a church is, is not in how big the church is. We hear a lot today about mega churches. Praise God that they're leading people to, that they're making disciples. Praise God for that. But the effectiveness of a church is not in its seating capacity. It is in its sending capacity. When we disciple people and they grow up, when we make disciples who in turn make disciples and we send them out into the world, that's the effectiveness of a church. It's not how big the budget is, but how much of that money is invested in, in making disciples and missionary ministries. It's not how big or how nice the building is, but, but how many ministries are going on outside the stained glass windows. The point is, that early church in Acts chapter 2, it had a laser-focused ministry. It was a loving church, a fellowshipping church, a praying church, a Christ-centered church, a saved church, a giving church, and an impact-making church. It had a laser-focused ministry. I close where I began. Regardless of what church you're from here today, if it's Liberty First or another church, does your church have Satan's attention? Is your church taking ground back from Satan that he's claimed from us? And are we a threat to Satan? Does Satan even know we exist? God help us be the church that this book says we're supposed to be. A called out group of people assembled together as brothers and sisters in Christ who love each other, who love each other, who love each other, who are committed to making disciples. Dwight L. Moody told the story as a very young man. He overheard two older men talking one day, and, and Dwight L. Moody loved the Lord, but he was a teenager. He was really late in his teens, but he overheard these men talking, and and one of the men said to the other one, you know, our world has yet to see what God can do through the life of one man who would be totally sold out to him. Our world's yet to see what God can do through the life of that one man. Well, that, that stung Dwight L. Moody as a young man who loved God. And he went and got along with God and he prayed and he said, God, if our world has yet to see what you could do through the life of one man who's totally committed to you, if it be your will, I'm willing to be that man. And the rest is history, how God used Dwight L. Moody. Turn that around a little bit. I pastored here years ago in Pickens County. 
let me, let me just put it to you this way. If I were in Oconee County, I'd say the same thing. What if Oconee County, what if Pickens County, watch this, has yet to see what God could do through the life of one church who would be willing to say, God, if you're looking for a church to be that church, that called out group of people gathered together in order to make disciples, then God, I want to do my part to, to, to help this church be that church. Would you accept that challenge this morning? God, if you're looking for a church in Pickens County to be the church you could use to turn this county upside down, then I want to be a part of that church. Would you bow your heads? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you today for this time to, together to just share your word. As a couple of ladies shared before the service started, Challenge Sunday across the convention today. And God, today we're challenged. We're challenged to be the church you designed us to be. God, forgive us for across our land what we, me as a pastor, what we have allowed our churches to be and become. Where people in the community say the church is a building, a weekend event, a long hour, a social event, a distribution hub. God, forgive us. God, forgive us for what you began in Acts as a movement that turned the world upside down has sadly become a monument today characterized by stagnation and status quo and decline and apathy and unconcern. God, I pray for every mom and dad and grandmother and grandfather here today. I pray that, God, they'll understand that we're to do everything we can to, to make this church the best church it can be so that when it's passed off to the next generation, God, they can take it and run with it. God, our churches are in trouble. Forgive us for forgetting the fact that it's really your church. I'll build my church. God, today I pray that men and women and young people today would, would accept this challenge. If you're looking for a church in Pickens County to make a difference, I want to be a part of that church. Father, thank you for this time together. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I want to ask you to stand. If I could pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to just come and kneel at the altar. Today you do business with God, but folks, hear me say this. Our churches are in trouble. What are we going to do about it? As we say.
closed this morning you want to be a blessing to, to Dr. Allen tonight when he comes back tonight you go up to him and you let him know you appreciate him I know next Sunday's pastor appreciation but you tell him pastor you can count on me I want to do my part to make liberty first the church that God would have to be father thank you again for this time we've shared together today father thank you for your word Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ said, and upon that profession of faith, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will prevail against it. Father, may we be reminded as we leave that Jesus said, go and make disciples. God, help us be the church you've called us to be. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.